0: I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15 Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15 Minute Parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. parent made contact with me recently and I'm smiling as I recall this because it was just such a funny story and at the same time had a really serious question at the heart of it and the parent communicating with me was saying look we've spent ages laughing about this but now we're at a point of going gosh Are we making light of something that might be serious? Let's reach out to Joanna and see, is this normal or not? And the story was about a young, their young child who was five years old and had developed an imaginary friend and the imaginary friend had moved into their house overnight, all of a sudden, but their child was behaving as though the friend was always there and was outraged that her parents might suggest that this friend had just moved in. Of course, they've always been here. You know, I just kept them private, but now it's time for them to meet you and be part of the family. And there was a whole list in in the email I got of antics that the imaginary friend had gotten up to. The, The development of the imaginary friend's character, you know, had gone from very little detail to quite a lot of detail. And over time, what they had noticed was a number of her own character traits being put onto the imaginary friend and that transition with the imaginary friend correlated with the imaginary friend being blamed for a lot of misbehavior in the house let's say misbehavior that as parents they were full sure she was responsible for but she was adamant it was not her it was the imaginary friend and were they calling her a liar and why didn't they believe her and so this went on and then they got to the stage where they were wondering okay a how do we respond to this as parents? Like, do we accept the imaginary friend as they had been, they'd been going with this, but do we accept, okay, it's okay for her to say the imaginary friend is responsible for all misbehavior? How do we challenge that? How do we do it being respectful of the role of the imaginary friend? And then there was the big question, is it normal for her to have an imaginary friend or is this something we've been making light of that is quite serious? And so I, you know, explained back and you know I thought it was something that was well worth talking about here on the podcast that imaginary friends are actually really common normal healthy phenomenon of childhood lots of children have an imaginary friend there's lots of research out there that would you know say it's x percent or that percent but what it boils down to is lots of children have them and it it's most common in children aged Three to four years old, right up to 11 years old. And it's three to four is quite interesting because that's also the age developmentally when they are becoming more aware of cause and effect. If I do X, then Y happens. Or if A happens, then B is the outcome. It takes children until they're over four years old, typically developing, um, to work that out. I know it feels like when we've got our 18-month-olds that they know exactly what they're doing and why and they're running rings around us, but not consistently. It really does take a a number of years for them to get that cause and effect piece. And so when the imaginary friend comes in, it's this awareness of others, the world outside of and around me, cause and effect that... People are responsible for actions and behaviors, that you can blame people, that you might be at fault or not at fault. All of these themes are happening in their development. So it's not unusual. So imaginary friends, um, they you know, they emerge from imaginative play, put simply, and they can be entirely imagined, something that they've conjured up entirely out of their own imaginations, or can be based on a storybook or a TV show character. The the friends can be a constant there all day, every day, or can be, you know, a little presence that comes and goes at different parts of the day or even different parts of their lives. You know, they might be there for weeks and then they disappear and then they come back again. And all of that is quite, quite normal. What we know, though, and this isn't exclusive, okay, because children develop imaginary friends for all kinds of reasons. But we also know from the research that loneliness can be a reason and because these parents made contact with me and I've had this come up on the parenting slot on the radio show that I do as well and I have to say in my own clinical work it's been a constant rolling ongoing theme children with imaginary friends loneliness can be a cause but it's not always and I think at this time if you're listening going yes suddenly the imaginary friend who'd long since moved out is back or, you know, I've now got an imaginary friend in our house when we never had before. Our children have really lost a lot of access to their peers over COVID-19, the lockdown months when they weren't at school and weren't allowed to interact with their peers. And loneliness is certainly um, a consequence of that time for many children. So the fact that they would conjure up or rediscover their imaginary friend, I think, is a sign of emotional resilience, that they know what they need and they know how to meet that need for themselves. I think it's really important. But also, you know, research shows that children tend to be children with imaginary friends. I mean, they tend to be more socially aware. Um, they tend to be more focused on how others are thinking and feeling about something. And they tend to focus more on character traits that are, you know, how what people do, how they do it, what they think, what they feel, as opposed to how they look. They're also very good at putting themselves into the perspective of another because they have to constantly be able to switch and imagine or project what the imaginary friend is thinking, feeling up to, what they did, why they did it. So there's a huge amount of benefits there. What I've also found is that children with an imaginary friend they get to experience being in charge and as a child, it's there's very little in your life that you are completely in control or in charge of. So when you do have something, you will go, you know, initially anyway, you will push those boundaries and see how far can you get away with when you're in charge. But it also gives them a lot. That's why it's appealing for them. They get to be in charge of what of what their imaginary friend can play with. Um, the imaginary friend is very special. They belong only to your child. Their imaginary friend doesn't judge, doesn't chastise you know it just plays and supports them i mean isn't that a wonderful fantasy to have but how they speak about their friend their imaginary friend can actually tell you how your child is feeling and give you extra insights into their inner world their likes their dislikes what irritates them what brings them joy You know, it can really help to build that empathy and sociability. So there's a huge amount of pro-social stuff there. And what we're really talking about is social intelligence and, you know, a theory of mind, that capacity to be able to hold your own and the mind of another at the same time. And that's fantastic. Um, So what we do see, though, is that it tends to, I said, you know, it's most dominant between three and 11 years, though I have seen a child at two and a half with a very rich and vivid imaginary friend. So that's also quite normal. But it's most common in three to 11 years. And what we tend to find is that as friendships develop, you know, beyond 11 years, you know, they've negotiated early childhood renegotiated friendships, which is a huge developmental process. I've spoken about this in an earlier episode on friendships in middle childhood. But as our friendships are developing and growing, as they're developing and growing, they have less alone time. Their time is more structured and occupied. And with less time alone, there is less need, but also less opportunity for the imaginary friend. They might appear or reappear occasionally to work something out, but they tend to be a much lower level dominance after that age. Now back to the question that came in for me about you know this the imaginary friend was being blamed for lots of misbehavior. I think as parents we should definitely be accepting of the imaginary friend. Don't question its its existence. Just say, "Oh, that's really interesting. Is that something you want to talk to me about? Can you describe your friend to me? How does it feel to have this friend?" So be interested and playful about it. But You also have to hold the parental line and boundaries on behavior. So when they start blaming the imaginary friend, you can gently yet firmly say, well, your imaginary friend, whatever their name is, couldn't have done this. I think it was you. Now you have to and you move on to what they have to do instead. So you're not going, tell me, tell me, own up. You're saying, look, I know your imaginary friend couldn't have done this. And I think it was you. And then you move on. You want to acknowledge, you know, as well, yes, your imaginary friend is there, but let's talk about what's happened. I don't want to ask or hear from your imaginary friend on this. I want to talk to you about it. I know your imaginary friend probably has lots of ideas or thoughts, but right now I'm only interested in what you think and feel about this or your story about what happened. So you're not dismissing the friend, but you're staying very grounded in the now moment of I need you to own what has happened. Um, and I think that's something that we, you can really nurture and develop with them as they grow. So when I said be playful about it, it is something that, you know, if your child mentions their friend, be curious. Don't interrogate, though. There is a fine line between being interested and being intrusive, isn't there? So you, if they say something or share something, you go, gosh, I didn't know that about your friend. That's really interesting. Is there anything else you want to tell me about them? Or what kind of games does your friend like to play? How about you, because it can be a good way of practicing turn taking. What idea does your friend have versus what idea do you have? Be playful with it, but above all else, you have to hold that parental line of, you know, gentle yet firm, following your lead when, Possible. You know, I'm going to follow your lead with your friend where possible, but I'm going to step in and take charge when necessary. And that tends to be the piece about the misbehavior. I think that's really, really important. So if you've a, fr- a, a child, if you've a friend, if you've a child with an imaginary friend and they're adamant, you know, when you're doing that discipline piece of gentle yet firm that I just mentioned, if your child is adamant, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it was the friend, then sit with them and troubleshoot the problem with your child. Say, okay, well, it's not okay that this behavior happens. And if you're telling me your imaginary friend did it, let's think together about what the consequence for that behavior should be. Let's think about how it feels to do that and how how I'm feeling. How do you think your friend would understand how I'm feeling or why I'm so cross about it? have them to really work through and think about it so that you're at least troubleshooting with them and you're deepening their understanding of consequences. And then you can build up to the, look, I don't think it was them, I think it was you. Um, I think as well, being playful about this, you want to be open and inviting to the friend, Um, I certainly wouldn't object to anybody setting an extra place at the table for the friend to sit and join. I, I would tend to draw the line at just, you know, if they're an imaginary friend, they probably eat imaginary food so that you're not filling up an extra plate of food that won't be eaten or it's not giving your child an out to start, you know, passing the food they don't like from their plate to their friend's plate. So you can hold a boundary again about that. Being playful doesn't always mean being permissive all the time, you know, being playful is still about holding a boundary. And I think, you know, just to hold in mind, you know, the the question that came in at the end of that email was, is this normal? Is it something we should be worried about? No, it is healthy. It's normal. Research shows there are overwhelming pro-social benefits to having an imaginary friend. It's something that children work out themselves. It tends to be a transient phase of childhood. It's beautiful, rich, imaginative play. And most children understand that their imaginary friend is different to real world friends. So it's not that they say my imaginary friend isn't real because actually the imaginary friend is very real to them in that in the moments or in the time they have it. But they do understand that this is a different type of friend to the friends I have in school or the friends I have around my home or other people in my home. And that's just the line that you hold. Not everyone sees or hears your imaginary friend, and that's what makes them different to real world friends. And that's a a nice way of explaining it as well. If you're listening and you think, no, my child's imaginary friend is, you know, it's beyond that. The imaginary friend only moved in after we had or my child had a traumatic experience or actually my child is very confused that we don't see and hear their imaginary friend or my child really, really believes that their imaginary friend is as real as anybody else, then that's something that you might want to take a step further and make contact with somebody, a play therapist, a child psychotherapist, a child psychologist, somebody suitably qualified who could offer some support sessions and explore that a little bit more with you and your child. But mostly, for most children, this is a beautiful, healthy, normal form of imaginative play. So enjoy it and roll with it. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at The Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15 Minute Parenting.